Wait for it. Wait for it. Hey, all you crazy sci-fi and fantasy fans. It's time for your daily dose of shenanigans over here at the Blasters and Blades podcast. Just a couple of nerdy veterans geeking out over our science fiction passions and fantastical fantasies. A place where magic is king, the sky is the limit, and space is the place. We are the podcast that puts the fun in dysfunction. So without further ado, we're going to talk about this here Kickstarter that Mr. Matthew Josso uh, is is doing, but uh, first he's going to introduce himself. And you you wouldn't believe this. This is the third take, and every time I pronounce his name wrong, but different. So one of these days, of of the offensive ways my name has been said, it's been the least offensive the way you've messed it up. So don't worry about it. <laughs> All right, I will take that as a win. Uh, yes, my name is Matthew Hasso. I'm a freelance writer currently talking about a Kickstarter campaign for Grok Comics. Name of the comic is Black Cobra. But I have done some work with uh, your fellow co-host here, Nick. And maybe one of these days I'll do stuff with other people. But because sometimes I don't like a lot of other people, it may not happen. We'll see. All right. And we like Matt so much. Do you prefer Matt or Matthew? I should ask that too, I suppose. I'm indifferent. Go. <laughs> All right. Whatever I say then, we're going to stumble along and pretend. Just not Josso. No. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey Nick, and it's early enough we're recording this. I can't even blame alcohol because we're all stone cold sober. Oh yeah, I'm drinking uh... Seven Up over here, man. All right, all right. So the next part of the introduction with uh, with Matthew is how Matthew and Nick hooked up. So Nick, where did you stumble across him? Because this is one you booked. Uh, Grinder. We wayward <laughs> ended up in a ended up in a CD bar in Facebook land and started talking about our our troubles and errors and our passions. Exactly. And then we started writing. Then we started work. We were like, hey, we should make a comic book together. And he goes, that sounds lovely. And then I, and I was like, drink. okay. I don't okay. see why not. And the rest is so, issue. It's been a couple of years. Uh, we we met on online. Um, we run in the same independent creator circles. And, uh, you know, it's a very small community and you run into folks and you know, you, you get a good vibe off each other and you start creating shit. Yeah, it, it was actually funny because I'm sorry. Go ahead. What do you, what all have you done together? Uh, we are We're in the midst on... of. Can Go we ahead, say? Do it. Yeah, we are in the you... midst of a project called Quickwire. It is the first. It's a new character for Apache Comics. It's the first speedster that they're doing. Yes, the very first speedster. But it has been like five or six years of us just randomly talking. And then one day I was trying to go to bed and I just get a, a message on Twitter that says, hey, you're writing this book for me. <laughs> and the rest is history. <laughs> yeah. And he was like, okay, when do we start? I'm like, we started yesterday. Yeah. Okay, and this is what he looks like. His name's this. Go do something. Um, but yeah, so it's it's been interesting. I think it's been probably about a yearish that we've been working on it. Cause I think we developed it kind of came up with some ideas and then it just happened to be that you called me two or three weeks after I got hired by Grok. And then two weeks after that, I got hired by another company. So it was like three or four different out of the blue. Hey, come write this while also working on some, some other things. And it was just like, Oh, okay. I guess that was about, so it took me a little longer than I wanted to first one. But we're going on to number two and see where it takes us. Yeah, it's I, so I, I love what's going on in that book too. It's just it's hilarious. <laughs> well, thank so you. in this one and in all of them, you're the a writer for the comics, and Nick, you're drawing them. Is that how this is working? Um, we're waiting on some proofs from a from an artist that we wanted to work on. Quickwire. Um, he's 
got his own thing going on. So he hasn't, I'm going to give him a little bit more time and then I'm just going to say F and start drawing it myself. Yeah. Okay. It, it, when it, yeah. But as far as me, I am not an artist at all. I am only a writer. I've tried the, the art thing a couple times. And I think one time I was like, you know what? I'm just going to teach myself to draw. I took a year to learn how to draw. And then finally I was like, all right, it's been a year. I'm going to draw this book. And I started drawing the first panel and realized that I had taught myself how to draw people, but nothing else. So you can't draw a comic and only draw the people. And I was like, forget it. That's when I eventually got into the creator groups and started trying to find an artist. I've seen a lot of indie comics out there that the characters are just flopping around in empty space. That's true. That's true. But I was I've, a see, I've seen it. it. They don't do well, but I've seen it. So before we get too deep into this one, we do have the religion questions because we are the Blasters and Blades podcast. And I just want you to know, Matthew, that there is a wrong answer on all of these questions. So I hope you're ready for this. Let's go. All right. Star Wars, Star Trek, or Fire Star Wars. Star? You didn't have to finish that. It's Star Wars. Okay. What about Star Wars speaks to you? <laughs> one more time. What is it about Star Wars that speaks to you? Han Solo, Millennium Falcon. If he's not in it, I'm really not going to entertain it. But also, um, I like the Jedis. I'm a martial artist since I was a kid. Any kind of hand-to-hand combat kind of thing is, I'm all in. You know, like, so that's, you know, like, the prequels suck, but the sword fights are kind of cool. The yeah. And that's what, in my opinion, the, the, the sequel trilogy, like, I don't know how you went from really cool sword fights or saber fights in the first prequel trilogy that are crappy movies and then you had time to train these people but i don't know what you trained them to do because the lightsaber battles and new stuff's horrible but but yeah i really like all that lore um i think my favorite thing to do is to watch the first star wars movie and really want to see the movies that that film is based on because i don't think even empire and the jedi are kind of he mixed them around and did what he wanted to do but there's some really interesting lore told in that movie that I don't think we'll ever get to see. For me, I always liked the empire, the uniforms, the military, like the, the, although in George Lucas, as much as we rag on Disney and I'm sorry, we watched Ahsoka, Nick and I did for a review episode and those sword fights or j- saber fight. What is it? Uh, lightsaber fights. There we go. It's like it was watching it in slow motion. I'm like I get if you have to go slow because the actors need to whatever safety you could speed it up in editing. Yeah, I don't know if it's if it's the headdress or if she's just not comfortable with the sabers. She Rosario Dawson just and I don't know if it was her or whatever. It just they weren't where they could have been. And again, I think I made the joke after watching the first two episodes of that show is it's like, is Nick Gillard dead? Like, why hasn't anybody called him? Yeah. So I I never want to blame the actors when lately Hollywood has just been giving bad scripts. So for all we know, she was capable of going from zero to 60 and they just didn't want her to. Like, so I don't want to blame the actress when it could just be she literally gave the script exactly as they wanted it. So that goes to the director always and forever. Yeah, I'm not saying it's her fault per se. I'm just saying like, even like, look. I've done film, I've done things, I've seen actors who can and can't do stuff. And it's like, if it's important, somebody will make sure it happens. You know what I mean? Whether it's she didn't take enough time, whether the stunt people didn't take enough time, somebody dropped the ball and the sword fights just aren't where they could have been. But that's just me. And you, apparently. <laughs> yeah, I just, yeah. I don't know. For me, like you said, the the Empire, like I, 
I, you look at it, kidnapping kids. I always kind of thought the Empire was the good guys in this one. They were just trying to keep peace in a galac- galaxy that was in chaos, and the Jedi were kind of a loose cannon. I don't know. Like so, so the stormtroopers always spoke to me. I mean, I spent three months playing Tie Fighter, really trying to wonder why all these terrorists kept attacking the ships before I realized I was killing rebels. So I feel it. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, like. There's a lot of room in that universe to 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 dive into the nuance of international or you know sub in intergalactic yeah. politics and perspective and you know what I mean like it's it's definitely interesting. I watched this movie last night called The Old Guard about these immortals that are fighting. Yes, oh, great and, comic, uh, great movie. I thought the movie oh, was it's a comic. Good. Okay, I'm gonna check that out too. But they asked her. The new girl asks the the older Scythian warrior, "Are they the uh, the good guys?" And the uh, the two um, the the two crusaders, both the um, Islamic side and the Christian side, that are, are some of the immortals. They're like, well, it depends on the century. Are we the good guys or the bad guys? We just yeah. try to do the right thing. And that kind of spoke to me about the whole concept of international or intergalactic. If if you're talking sci-fi politics, because perspective is important. Yeah. yeah, I like so as much as I like reading about the Tie Fighters, I also enjoyed reading about Rogue Squadron. Uh, in the old books, like there's there's a lot of nuance there that gets ignored in modern retelling. It's a shame. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right, we are a polytheistic here at the Blaster and Blades podcast. So, <laughs> Game of Thrones, The Wheel of Time, or the Chronicles of Narnia? Uh, Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's all I like. Uh, okay. I. I I guess Narnia of those, just because my kids like them. There we go. Is that good enough? That's good enough. And that is the new stand-in for Lord of the Rings, because when you throw that in there, everyone just says that, and it's just really not fair to all the other great stuff out there. And so we had nine different guests reach out and say, well, why not? If you're looking for a classic, iconic, and you know, as large a statute as the other three, the three you listed, why not Chronicles of Narnia? And I'm like, how did we not think of it? So now that is the new official uh, first-time religion question for all of our new guests. So you, nice. you, we got to try it out with you. See, so, what well, you need to do worked. is you need to do you need to do this question: Thundercats, He Man, or Black Star? <laughs> Thundercats, ho! I don't know. It's a toss-up between He Man and Thundercats. I'm still mad at He Man. I hold a grudge. That mother got me in trouble. I don't know that. Okay, I got myself in trouble, but it's still his fault. I blame him. Oh, okay. He's okay. the scapegoat. Got it. Were you oh, running around so. in a purple shirt saying your name was Prince Adam, even though you did nothing to try and disguise your your look? <laughs> so when I was a kid, they had a one eight hundred or one nine hundred number, whatever it was. But oh, one you got to pay. Yeah, for. you told me about this. Oh, yeah, and dumbass. and you if you call, you could talk to He Man, but I'll scare mom and dad first. Well, first off, no one's calling if they ask their mom and dad first. They know that. We know that. We want to pretend everybody didn't know that. So I skipped school to call that number. And I didn't even get to talk to He-Man. I got grounded. I had to pay my mom back. I had to mow a lot of yards and shovel a lot of dog crap of all the neighborhood to pay that back. Probably paid more because my mom wanted to teach me about interest as part of this punishment. And I didn't even get to talk to him. It was a pre-recorded, you know, drink your Ovaltine type message. I was, uh, I'm still bitter. Still bitter. You think you have an axe grind. I'm still Paul Bunyan over here that Jason Todd came back to life. I paid good money to kill that fool. Fair, yeah. fair. All right. And because we are civilized here at the Blast and Blade podcast, we are no longer knuckle-dragging troglodytes. Sir, coffee or tea, and how do you take it? Coffee. 
And nice. I try, take it with uh, sugar-free syrups because my wife gave up sugar years ago. And now I can only use the sugar-free stuff. And yes, it is a big Lebowski coffee cup. Nice. Because the dude right. abides. You can tell he's married because when they asked him why he gave it up, he said, because my wife. She's on a diet, just, so I'm on a diet. It just reminds <laughs> me of Pulp Fiction. It's like, uh, I don't usually get a good burger because my girlfriend's vegetarian, which pretty much makes me a vegetarian. But I do love a tasty burger. I, it's actually interesting because she got the whole pump set up and everything like that. Oh, and wow. Yeah, I try to do sugar after now, and it doesn't even taste the same. I'd rather do the sugar-free yeah. syrups. The Toscani, yeah. Tostorino, whatever they're called. I'm, yeah. I'm familiar. So, all right. So let's uh, let's dive right in. I've got to pull the the art up. But before we dive into your comic, which is the Remnant Black Cobra, it's the first book in the series, if I'm understanding correctly, right? Yeah, it's Black Cobra number one. There was a there is a Black Cobra number zero. That's kind of a prequel that came out years ago. Um, but as far as the actual comic itself, Black Cobra number one is number one. So it's the first one. So we'll see where if it continues. <laughs> So where did, um, where did the idea, that's where we're going to, well, first off, I suppose we should ask, what is the age range? Because not all comics are created equal. Some of them are um, not child-friendly. So what would sure. you rate this as a, on a rating scale? Well, I would say it's PG because it's, okay. um, this is the Remnant, or bleh, Grok Universe Comics or Grok Comics, the Remnant characters, they are a Christian-based comic. Now, it doesn't mean they're spouting scripture or kind of covenant over the top with that. But it is ultimately a world where the heroes are Christian and they they fight, you know, the bad guys with Christian values as far as like they're not going to murder anybody. They don't curse. Trust me, it's been difficult writing sometimes. I'm like, man, I'm a cursing kind of guy. So yeah. trying to get some of these guys to stay within the confines of that. But it's um, so the idea of this guy is that he was actually captured by the Watchers, who are the villains of the story, but in the public eye are viewed as heroes. They they are a superhero group that work for the UN. And because the UN and members of the UN and the Watchers themselves are, are, are technically evil, the remnant are looked at as like outlaws, as terrorists. So Black Cobra was captured by the Watchers. He was tortured for, for a long, for I think weeks, months. And because of that, he deals now with a lot of PTSD. So this issue actually chronicles the first time he actually is in the field after he's begun the process of dealing with this PTSD. Okay. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I like that. It's like reverse that's, thunderbolts. That's deep. <laughs> um, so you mentioned that you're the writer. What can you tell us about whoever did your art? And as we, as you answer that, I'm going to scroll through some of the art that we snagged from your Kickstarter. Sure. No problem. So, so on, on this picture here, I believe if memory serves is drawn by Ron Williams, he does part two. No, I'm sorry. He does the fourth part. So the comic has four parts. The standard Black Cobra number one has three parts to it, all three of which I wrote. Um, if you get the extended edition of Black Cobra, it includes some of the stuff from Black Cobra number zero. And then it also includes an extended story written by uh, Patrick Daniel that Ron Williams does the art on. A guy named Luciano did the main story, which is a 12 pager. Uh, where he fights Jaguar Lynx, the guy in the orange and the blue. And then David Lee is drawing the part two, which is, um, <clears throat> pardon me, is kind of tells the story of Jaguar Lynx and where he goes after the, the, the things that happen in part one. And then part three is being drawn by uh, Geraldo 
not even going to try and butcher his last name. And he's going to, that is a story of black Cobra now dealing with, you know, Hey, he, he kind of messed up on his first outing and he's trying to talk to another character from the remnant, a, a girl named jelly bean. And she deals with her own PTSD from her background and their work. She's kind of passing on his whole, like, this is how I'm dealing with it. You need to be better at dealing with it because if you do that, then you're able to control not only your emotions, but your powers. And you can use some of these feelings to enhance what you can do. Okay. Is that a theme of the whole universe or just this particular? Just this particular character. He's the one that deals with P uh, PTSD. Um, the most of the other characters, the Christian and you know environment, the Christian values, is just an excuse to have some great action and and some tell some really cool storylines. Um, it's just this particular character because of his story is kind of dealing with that. But there's, um, I mean, I think if you really look at any kind of Christianity, a lot of it's about redemption. You know, not not getting too deep into it, but you know, we're not worthy until we accept Jesus. Blah blah yakety schmagety, but. <laughs> I think that's where that kind of comes from uh, is, <clears throat> pardon me, is that a lot of these are redemptive stories. Even the main leader, uh, Grok himself, he has a very, very redemptive story. And then there's other characters that are just like, I'm a hero. I'm not going to kill anybody. Let me go fight crime. And that's what they do. Okay. Yeah, so so um, from the art on this one, I'm definitely getting some Miles Morales, uh, which is the one of the Spider-Man many many reboots it's got like bazillion of them meets uh, a little bit of cobra kai or cobra kai cobra from the gi joe <laughs> yeah th this guy he's about 28 years old he's uh he's been a superhero for a while he was actually mentored by um several of the other members mainly south hawk who's kind of like their uh the remnants resident uh mentor type guy who has brought in a lot of the characters into the team and and helped train them so so yeah, and then because I liked his look when it came to the action, I was like, you know what? It's easy to do standard Taekwondo stuff. So I made him do a bunch of like uh, Capoeira stuff. So I even had him do like a Frankensteiner, <laughs> which if you don't know is when you do a forward flip and grab somebody with your legs and then flip them over. So oh, wow. I really get into my action, let me tell you. <laughs> Good. Okay. Yeah, it's it's a pretty cool design on the costume. I, I like the, uh, the little jewels around his neck. Gives me kind of a Black Panther vibe. Um, then what? He's got like a... He's got a cobra on his chest. And then it's like the... He's got a claw on each arm that comes out of his gauntlets. And then on each leg, he has like the, the rib cage claw, you know, teeth marks. So I think oh, okay. he has a really cool look. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty interesting stuff. Yeah. Uh, when Bill asked me to draw one of his characters, he gave me Southhawk. So, yeah, I remember. I remember. I was like, there's not much to him on his design. Um, I would, I would have loved to have a crack at this guy, though. No, he he's pretty cool. I like this guy. And and the thing for me is, especially when you're, <laughs> I think one of the more difficult things is like when you have a guy with claws, but he's supposed to not kill people. You really have to pick what he does with those things. <laughs> yeah. What's the point of the claws if he's not killing people? Let's be real. I mean, you stab him in the leg, incapacitate him, stab him through the shoulder so they can't hit you back. You know, you can do it. You can do it. <laughs> Wounds. Okay. Death by paper cuts minus the death part. There Pretty you go. Much. Just, yeah. to the, just to the edge of the death. Yeah. yeah. Just because you're crippled doesn't mean you died. So right. we're still within Christian values. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's really cool. 
So when you say Christian values, you mean like New Testament, God is love, not Old Testament, fire and brimstone. Because, I mean, there's some, there's some pretty dark stuff in the, uh, in the original text material, if you were. Yes, this um, is this is post post fatherhood God, not okay. a not pre fatherhood God. <laughs> I'm just saying there's there's room for lots of uh, fire and brimstone if you wanted yeah. to <laughs> under oh, that. Yeah. No, <laughs> no the, there, there there's not not that yet. <laughs> so, so this is more Protestant Christianity and less guilt and, and you know correct involved. Okay. It, it's it, like I said, I think it's more in my opinion what it is and which. I really like is it's more about good guys being good and bad guys being bad. That's, that's kind of really the setup. I don't think needs to be, you know, religiously rooted. There are plenty of people of other faith backgrounds that also believe good is good and bad is bad. Um, so I like that you're distinguishing that from some of the quite frankly, poorly written religious fiction. That's just trying to retell scripture with, with funny pictures or, you know, fancy <laughs> settings. Yeah, it's not the action Bible. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that if you like it. I'm just saying I, I and I think that's something that a lot of people get confused in when you say it's a Christian based comic, is that they're expecting the action Bible. And it's like, no, that, that's yeah. not exactly what we're doing here. You it's know, we're, Christian we're, we're, superheroes, yeah. not superheroes that are Uber Christian. So it's yeah. it, it it is I mean, look, I've 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 written episodes where one dude attacked a Yakuza headquarters and whip the crap out of everybody you know i mean it's not anything that's very limited i've written episodes where they're just talking and trying to figure out how to best proceed with not being overly evil or having two of the heroes run into a vigilante and they do a team up and in the middle of the team up he shoots somebody in the head and they get on this case about like there's no reason for you to kill people so it's it's been it's been a very interesting ride but it also is um you know, when you when you're challenged to okay, how do I make these guys? How do I make these stories interesting and cool and fun, and not succumb to some of the standard tropes that most comic books do? You know, look, Wolverine's great and we like him, but we want to watch him just murder Rampage with his claws out. Yeah. That's not going to happen with Black Cobra. He's got the claws, but he doesn't have the murder Rampage. Okay, well, I know everyone. You know. Well, that's some some good black and white line art too. Um, does that get colored in? It was on your Kickstarter page, or is that is that just a step in the process? Uh, that has been colored. Um, honestly, I'm just a freelance writer, so I didn't have a lot to do with all the stuff that was put on the Kickstarter page. I was suggested some of the different tiers, but when it comes to the art and things like that, that that's Bill that puts a lot of that stuff up there. Yeah, but I have seen that, this in color. It looks pretty cool. That is a very Wrightson inspired. Oh yeah. <laughs> piece of artwork there I like that, that is yeah i can see that very bernie wrightson <laughs> yeah so i will say you know before we move on and i don't think we need to harp on the religious stuff too much okay. but it, with the religion like you mentioned the action bible which you know is kind of cringe and the crappy hallmark movies that are you know religiously inspired but for every one of those bad ones out there there is J.R. tolkien and uh, i'm drawing a blank on the guy's name that wrote narnia um oh, which were also religious allegories but well done and the golden compass was another one uh, uh, golden compass is actually about atheism <laughs> but i'm just saying that they, they were inspired I did by too religious. but yeah c.s <laughs> lewis sorry i had to look it up c.s lewis is who wrote the chronicles of Narnia. oh good because you were googling quicker than me but uh, the point is is that you can 
you can cover those themes in ways that are respectful of your audience that don't preach at them and still make entertaining stories um, yes. outside of all of it. And so I, I think, you know, the, the genre writ large gets a bad name because of all the badness that's out, the badly done yeah. uh, visions of it to the point where people that write that don't always want to advertise it because of that stigma. Uh, and I like that you guys are leaning into, you no, know, we can do this and still do this well and make you enjoy the story, even if you're an atheist or agnostic or insert any other religion you want to. Yeah. And that's why I ultimately like just because they're Christian superheroes doesn't mean you have to be a Christian to enjoy it or anything like it. That's just cool. And again, what I was saying before is like, I just want to tell entertaining superhero stories and I'm doing that just within the confines of the rules that have been set for this universe. You know, I'm never going to be able to do doctor, a Dr. Strange kind of hero. I can make a villain that looks like Dr. Strange or does Dr. Strange stuff, but I can't do a hero like that, which means I just, okay, well then how do I, how do I do that? And then, you know, go from there. And that's been a lot of the fun, to be honest with you. Like I said, is just having that moment of like, okay, if I want to do a road warrior esque, you know, sh street brawl between trucks and cars, how do I do that and not let to have them kill people, you know, or have them battling on top of a truck and you can't have them kick somebody off the truck because that would probably kill them. So it's like stuff like that. That's been a lot of fun to, to kind of, you know, um, oh my God, I can't re remember the, the freaking, it's like necessity is the, the mother of invention. Is that how it goes? Yeah. Yeah. And mm. I think that's what's been a lot of fun in this is like, okay, how do I tell this story in that within that so it's it's been fun and you know like i said i love action so i'm just gonna go nuts no matter what we do absolutely that's fair that's fair that. um so nick do you, do you have any um official verdict on the art yeah the art's fantastic um i've because i follow bill and matthew on uh on the socials i, I get to see the progression of the stuff from pencils to inks to, to colors and it's been fantastic every step of the way. Um, Bill has a really good knack of hiring talented people to work on his books, uh, myself included. Um, <laughs> the, the art's amazing. It, it yeah, always it, is. It always pops. He's got. He's got. He always puts together a good team. He's found to, a couple. He's found a couple really good colorists that I've seen save some stuff that was like, okay, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and Nick, you know what I mean? It's like, you, you get an artist and if he's there, they're all right. But if you get the right colorist, it just kind of oh, like, you can save bad art. Yeah. yeah. You can, you can say like an inker will save bad pencils and a colorist will, can save the whole thing. If you have bad pencils and bad inks, you get a good yeah. colorist on it. They'll, they'll elevate the artwork and, and really make it pop and make it interesting and make you want to buy it. Um, but yeah. I've seen, the reverse of that too so like you could have awesome pencils and awesome inks and then you get a subpart colorist on there and your artwork looks like trash yeah so he, you're but right he's still he's doesn't have a, that problem no 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 he's got a, he's got a, a pretty good team there and even if there's somebody who's not not there we'll just be like well we'll just use them for this two pager and then uh we'll see him later <laughs> <laughs> yeah we'll give him a soft exit yeah okay Quiet so <clears throat> We're going to pause real quick and we're going to let Matthew, uh, no pressure, he's going to read the commercial because he's the, oh no, you got the video, don't you, Nick? We got the video. On, we got video. 
we got video. Just keep talking while I set it up. All right. So uh, when we come back from the commercial, and the commercial is going to be the uh, the video from the Remnants uh, Kickstarter page. But once we show that, we're going to come back and start talking about the origins of this universe and all the, the universe implies. Because we've talked a lot about the art, and that's all well and good. But none of that matters if the story sucks. So that's what we're going to talk about next. No pressure, Nick, but the, the clock is ticking. I'm trying. Oh, there we go. All right. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for watching this video about the campaign for Black. Wait a minute. There we go. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for watching this video about the campaign for Black Cobra number one. My name is Matthew Hosso, and I'm a freelance writer for Grog Comics. I'm the one that wrote Black Cobra number one. If you get the extended edition, there's an additional story written by Patrick and also some additional storylines from other issues that weren't written by me, but we'll get into that in a few moments. Black Cobra number one has three different parts. Part one is about Black Cobra's first mission back in the field after having dealt with some PTSD issues. We're going after the others. Don't let him get away. I got him. His first outing puts him at odds with Jaguar Lynx. Their first battle doesn't exactly go very well for them. So how long do you think you can hold it up before we're both crushed to death? I will not die from this. How long? Eight minutes, maybe. Two if I want to let us both die out of spite. Now that they're trapped in rubble, we get to see how this hero and maybe rival instead of villain kind of deal with the situation. Part two of Black Cobra, number one, deals with Jaguar Lynx and the repercussions of how his life has changed after everything that happened in part one. And he gets a visit from a surprise character of Grok Comics. Part three of Black Cobra, number one, is Black Cobra dealing with another member of the Remnant who is dealing with PTSD themselves and how the shared trauma between the two, though not similar, is able to bring them together as they learn how to deal with not only their trauma, but focus some of that energy into their powers. There's an extended edition of Black Cobra number one. It's going to include some of the storyline from Remnant number two that deals with what happened to Black Cobra that caused all of his trauma. In addition, there is a brand new script written by another writer that kind of has Dr. Sonia Rivendale covering the case of Black Cobra to a new character who we will see in future issues. Thank you so much for taking the time to watch this video. The link for the Kickstarter campaign, you'll find it below. Anything you can do to support us is perfect, whether you're going to buy into one of the tiers or you just want to like, follow, and share anything that we post. Anything you can do is very appreciated. There will be a live Q&A on November 10th. Details for that will be coming soon. Until next time, see you then. What a hack. Absolute hack. I mean, you missed a, a wonderful opportunity to, uh, you know, go all old school and do like the pow, psh, you know, all the, the visual all the, the things. Automopias coming up. And, uh, <laughs> that would have been so glorious. You could have like tied into the olden days of the... Uh, of the genre. 
So first off, you mentioned, you know, that this is inspired by, you know, the sort of thou shall not kill, the religiosity, um, but there were larger morals uh, based on our pre-show conversation. So what kind of overall moral lesson are you going for? Got me now. Sorry, my thing got me. So this is what happens when you're on the yeah. standing desk and you bounce around like a kid with ADHD. Yeah, I know. It does. <laughs> if, if I wasn't drinking coffee and a ferret on espresso, maybe this wouldn't happen so much. Um, yeah. There is a, a lot of uh, morals in here, especially in this particular issue, just because um, I think too often we get into these things of like, these are villains or these are bad guys. And given the, the background of somebody like Jaguar Lynx, is the watchers from public appearance are the good guys. They're the Avengers, you know? So if you have superpowers and you want to make a change or do something more, like it looks really appealing to do this. And then Napoleon, who's the leader of the watchers, is one of these guys who's like, oh, hey, you have powers, bro. You need to come with us. We've got all these things. We can help you. We'll train you, blah, blah, blah. And then once you get into it, it's like the 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 the, the frog in the boiling water, it's like, no, no, you're going to, we're going to go solve this problem. Oh, by the way, when we solve this problem, we have to do this. We have to do that. And then suddenly you're like, did we just murder a, you know, a, a building full of people to ensure this agenda that the watchers have? And I think that's where Jaguar links is with that in mind, you get into this big battle, what happens to them and they get trapped. Now you have just this moment of like, okay, let me talk to this person. Let me see what's actually happening with them and if I can help them. And that's kind of what I liked about this particular story is you have this really cool fight scene, but most of it, the, the push of the story is, you know, not so much can you redeem a villain, but if you take the time to find out what's actually happening with them, can you change them as well? I like that. But also, it's your fault because then, <laughs> then I muted myself and forgot to unmute. So we're like just the boomer show, the boomer podcast right now. But um, I do like that oh, moral ambiguity because sometimes the line between good and evil and right and wrong is gray and murky. And it's kind of hard to figure out, you know, where, where those dotted lines are. Um, and, and sometimes you can end up doing the wrong thing for the right reasons and vice versa. I like that you're diving into that too often. The good and evil trope is literally like mustache twirling, twirling villain. And it's so comically done that it's, it's not as relatable. I like when they show the nuance where even the villain has parts about him that you could kind of like, and it's, it's that old expression where, you know, every villain's a hero in his own mind, in his own story. We're all righteous. That's so right. I really, I really enjoy that, that you're doing that. So well, and, and and I also, sorry to interrupt, but I also like, um, <clears throat> oh man, I just lost, I interrupted and lost my train of thought. What the crap? That's awesome. <laughs> this is how you know we're professionals here, people. I slipped yeah, on right. my beans. <laughs> <laughs> so where is the, okay, so first off, where did the idea for the larger remnant universe come from? Uh, and if possible, what is your role in it? And then narrowing that down then for, um, this character, Black Cobra. Can you can you give us that for people that don't know this universe? I can give you a little bit of it. Um, so 
I've only been working for Grok for the past year. He had already been in operation for several years up to that point. And a lot of that development of this, the world and the storylines before I came on board was all up, was all Bill. Um, <clears throat> so I didn't come up with any of this universe. Since I've been working with him, I have been able to kind of steer the ship a little bit and kind of come up with some other things that would might might work. Um, like this Black Cobra story was literally him saying, hey, write a story about this character that introduces Jaguar Lynx. That was all that he gave me. And I was like, okay. And I was like, well, is he a hero or a villain? Does Jaguar, because it's kind of funny because uh, Bill has this really in my opinion, cool website where you can see every single character that's a hero and a villain. Well, Jaguar Lynx is on the hero side, but he was like, well, he's the villain in the story. And my thing I don't like, I think this is what I was going to say before is like, I personally don't like, I'm a good guy. You're a bad guy. I'm going to make you a good guy at the end of the movie, because that's not how that works. Most people, if they're villains, you're not going to just like say like, Oh, but this, and they go, you're right. I'm wrong. And change. So, I didn't want this to end with Jaguar Link saying, cool, we're chums. I want to see that process. And even by the end of the issue with the other three stories, he's not necessarily a good guy. He doesn't suddenly just join the group and become part of the remnant. He's going on his own journey. And that was really important to me because like, um, I'm pretty active in my church because my wife totally is, is a Baptist and, Part of us being together is we've agreed to to raise our children in that in that fashion. So we I do the, like the VBS, the Vacation Bible School for them. And we've done superheroes a couple times, and I tried to go really broad one year, and nobody got what I was selling. So the next time we did it, I kind of made it a little smaller. And but again, going to I really wanted to do a vigilante who becomes a hero, not a villain who becomes a hero. Because it's nobody can relate to being the villain per se. You can't tell a bunch of five-year-olds, this is the bad guy, we suddenly made him good. But they can understand like, hey, this guy is misguided. We're going to give him information and then he can come back to where he needs to be. And that's where this kind of came from is that idea of you're just turning the wheel a little bit to right the ship toward where it needs to go. But there's still a journey for Jaguar Lynx before he ever if he ever decides to become a member of the remnant. You're muted that again. Sense. <laughs> I wasn't speaking yet. Uh, Nick was about to say something. Uh, um, so the remnant then is the organization of good guys. The watcher is the organization of quasi bad guys, totally not related to the Highlander. Um, no. And um, so there's a, are they all taking place in the same city? It's, Yes, ish. So it's kind of like the remnant is the overall team, but there are sub teams in that, and each sub team kind of carry covers a different area. So the yeah, remnant like is, yeah. So the remnant's kind of like your big Avengers Tower. Well, not Avengers Tower, but main group, and then there's uh, Dog and the Regulators, who are like the urban team. I'm sorry, yeah, the urban team who are more like in the downtown bad area trying to do good against that kind of stuff. And then you've got, um, so you got like your, uh, your street level heroes, your, 
larger threat heroes then you got your like your intergalactic or you've got you've got your your street level you've got and then i'm even now trying to get i want to do something where it's like a, almost like a like a special missions force where they're they're being sent to go do things not just waiting because sometimes it's reactive you know they're waiting around for the watchers to do something they're going to go stop them but now like a team like dog and the regulators there's a last gen team that's kind of like the youthful team um and then there's other characters that get their own series so that's where but then, yeah it's like all kind of in the same city yeah but, you guys are all hitting the the major designations of yes like what a lot of the other companies have not saying that's a bad thing we all just kind of naturally steer towards like okay i got like this superman character that's for the really big threats but is he going to go around and st stop the purse snatcher no I, yeah. I got my street level dudes for that you know and yeah I so got these guys that they're like like you said like a strike team like an x-force yeah um it's like these are the guys that we don't we we want them to do our will and stuff that we normally wouldn't handle yeah. um and we don't want to want to be associated with these guys but they're going to do what we want yeah the the, the two, my two favorite characters are named silent and night and they're they're members of dogs of the regular they're members of the regulators but hopefully they, they will be able to do stories of them going on their own missions and the way i describe them is like you're going to tell them to go do the thing you need them to do and then you're going to turn around and just wait for them to be done because you don't want to see what they do because <laughs> yeah. you they know do they're going to do it nice. Yeah. yeah. And not even very nice, but they're going to do the dumbest crap, whatever. They're, they're absolutely, you know, ridiculous. So I've, I've had fun working on that, but I think that's, that's where you, like you were saying, there's tropes in there and you can play with those tropes, but also have fun with the tropes. Yeah. And make them unique to your story. So correct. Yeah. That's, that's really good stuff. Cause you see, yeah, I mean, I'm a big fan of like imitation is the biggest form of flattery, but there's only so far you can go before it looks like you're ripping ripping people off or ripping yes. characters off um so yeah it's a balancing act and it's a fine one and it looks like from what you've been doing and what and what Gronk's doing with his books he, he's got a pretty good balance on that yeah and it's also like as you know being doing some of the story editor stuff i do and some of the scripts that i read sometimes you have to go like okay look th this is too much like the big conversation when i first got the story editor job i was going through all these submissions and there's a couple of the scripts that I would go like, this isn't a script about this character because there's a character called Thief of the Night. He's kind of like a, a vigilante kind of street level character. Yeah. But I would read, there was like two or three scripts people had sent in and it was literally like they had an idea for a Batman story and they just put this character in it. Like nothing about this story said it's about this character. It was more of a story that I want to do a vigilante story. And it, it was they wrote fanfic and then replaced the uh, the hugely copyrighted character with Thief. Correct. Yeah. And it was just like I was like, no, this is you wanted to write a Batman story, and I and I would just tell them like, hey, this is too derivative. Like you guys need to you need to actually write a story about this character. Go read the bio. Like the bio's yeah. there. It's not that difficult. So before we start talking about the Kickstarter, is the um, since you do the co the editing for for the story submissions, um, when you are looking for stories, are you looking at it from we want artists to come in and draw the things, or we want um, comic book aspiring comic book writers to come and write the scripts, or both? It, it it's it's a mix. Like I don't do any of the art per se. Like I've suggested people, um, and it's always fun to go like, hey, do you have <laughs> do you have any sequential art? 
No. Oh, okay. Bye. <laughs> what do you mean sequential <laughs> art? Um, that's the actual interior pages of the comic book. Um, like when you talk about when you mention uh, speculative fiction, and it covers right. that area. <clears throat> when we say sequential art in the art world, the comic book world, we mean interior artwork. So, can you tell a story in the visual medium? Yeah. So, like panel, so in in five panels, do the five panels tell a story, or did you just draw random things that don't mean anything? So, yeah. my understanding from what you guys are saying, for people that aren't you know steeped in comics, the uh, the skill of drawing one static picture and drawing a series of pictures in a row to tell a story are not linked necessarily. Correct, because some monsters. yeah, because sometimes you'll get a guy who I can draw this figure in three positions and put a different outfit on him. And he's done those those poses so many times that it looks amazing. And then you're like, okay, cool. I need you to draw a guy sitting down at a computer and they can't do it because they're just... Talking on a telephone. Yeah, it's like, I don't know how much of this video, but you know, like, this guy's here or he's here or he's like this. You're like, cool, those all look great, but I need somebody doing this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. And they can't do it because they they haven't learned to draw. They've just learned to do what's called a pinup or a, a splash page, which yeah makes you look cool but doesn't tell a story. So I know um, one of the things as the trad pub on the writing side continues to crumble at the altar of poor decision making, uh, they're losing the what they used to do was what they used to do sort of mentor or shepherd newer creators into the field so like okay yeah you're not going to sell a billion copies right out the gate but we can teach you to do better and build you as a brand does the comic book industry still do that and if Definitely. not do does yeah, your publishing house uh for example jim lee jim lee did not start out as jim lee um, obviously he was doing some things um like he did a short story in Atlantis Attacks, which was a Marvel annual in 1987. And he did a four-page story insert in there of Daredevil. And if you compared that to his work now, night and day. Couldn't even tell it was Jim Lee. Yeah. Um, in fact, I didn't even know it was Jim Lee until a buddy of mine was like, you know, that's Jim Lee's debut in Marvel. And I'm like, get the hell out of here. And I ran to my long boxes and pulled it up. There it was. Hey, you, you want to go even further back. You know what his first ever thing at Marvel was? Have you ever, do you, did you ever read the Transformers comics at all? Yeah. Back yeah. In, I've seen them. So there's a tra there's a, a cover where Galvatron is standing on earth and he's holding up uh, the matrix. Yeah. That's Jim Lee's first work in, at Marvel. Oh, he wow. drew that cover. Actually, that might be in my long box too. <laughs> yeah, it was. So, yeah, really, I don't know. Um, I don't know enough about Marvel because I thought Jim Lee was the creator, founder, and owner of Marvel. I didn't realize yeah, Stanley. Okay, Jim Lee is Korean. Um, Stanley is Jewish. <laughs> the General Lee is the car that the Dukes of Hazard drove. Just to I knew that one too, rules. and Daisy Dukes, but you know, <laughs> men of a certain age. But to answer your question, Jared, yeah, there's like a like a minor league for comic artists and and writers. Uh, they'll put them on stuff that you know it, it's not a bestseller or anything like that. Or it's so, an anthology series. Like it used to be Marvel. Series. Marvel had a series called Marvel Comics Presents, and each comic had those. three short stories, and that was usually your testing grounds. And it's kind of funny. I think about this in the '80s and early '90s. Is like they would test out people in Marvel Presents. 
And if you did really well, then you got an issue of what if. <laughs> and yeah. now you're doing the entire issue. And if that went well, then they gave you a title. Because like Rob Liefeld, he made his, he did his bread and, you know, kind of worked on Marvel Presents, got that episode of what if Wolverine joined an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. And then within months, he's on X-Force or on New Mutants, which eventually becomes X-Force. Yeah, created the two most popular characters of that that brand, yeah, uh, Cable and Deadpool, and then you know he became part of the the trinity of rock stars. That was yeah, and then Image happens that. and blah yeah. blah yakety schmaggity. That's a whole other episode too, talking about Image. Um, so so yeah, there's like a triple A team, and that's kind of the. the so does your publishing that. house do that kind of if new creators wanted to come to your you know, publishing empire. Absolutely. As it were. Rock stars from the start. No, I'm <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you don't have, if you don't have that pedigree, we don't want anything to do with you. Now we've, for me, there's been a couple times when Bill's like, Hey, work with this person, see if you can get them better at the writing. And I've, there's been two or three people we've done that with. And only one is still around. Because more often than not, writers can't take it. And there's there's one in particular um, that, like, it. I'm he he sent a script in, and he was one of the people who did the here's my ultra violent vigilante story. And then I had to respond to him like, "Hey, the name of the website is Tribulation Task Force. The one of the guys has a giant cross on his chest. You know, like let's <laughs> let's let's read the room and just." you know you're so hungry to get a job you're not paying attention to what the job is so i responded was like hey this is a christian comic they don't murder they don't curse can you rewrite the script and kind of give me something different so he rewrites parts of it to take the violence out but doesn't make it any better and then i finally was like look i want you to do this is what i want to challenge you with i want you to scrap the storyline completely and I want you to come up with something completely different. That is this. And I think I even gave him like a story beats thing. And then he started arguing with me about whether it was an interesting story or not. And I was like, I just told uh, Bill, I was like, uh, how do I tell this guy to F himself and not say that? Because this was like, if you're trying to get a job, you shouldn't argue with the guy that's going to give you the job. Right. So I just said like, look, you, when you, 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 you're the writer. Figure it out. That's the challenge of. That's what I'm challenging you to do. That's your job. <laughs> yeah, you make it interesting. And Since I we, never heard back from him. <laughs> sometimes the trash sees itself out, and I don't mean that as an insult. Just you know, like meets like, right? Yeah. Uh, oil and water separates itself. So the art that we showed uh, earlier was very what Nick calls cape and cowl sort of superhero fiction. Do you guys play with other art styles? I know he's mentioned that he gets a lot over at Apogee submissions that want to do manga style art, which isn't, you know, what he does. Do you guys have that problem? Do you do multiple styles? Um, We've that I'm aware of. There's certainly a level of bill does not want manga cartoony. He doesn't think that works. He doesn't, he doesn't particularly care for that kind of stuff. I'm indifferent to it. There's been a couple of the guys who we've found that like have a very stylized look. And as long as they can tell a story and it's not super jarring to the rest of the stuff that's happening here, there's, there's a, a guy we've used on a couple things that I, like, I really like his work is very stylized and um, it's, 
like we'll we'll see. We're gonna we're, we we got to give him another thing to see how he does on that. But I think that's that's where we do. Um, you know, I think you just have to look at somebody's work and see what they do. And sometimes, like, cool, you can draw a cover. Cool, you can draw sequential art. But can you draw a sequential story from a script we gave you? Because that's also a challenge. Is like, if I say the car skids to a stop, can you draw the car skidding to a stop? Or can you just draw, like, can you tell the story? Because that's that's another, like, you know, Nick will probably be able to tell more than me. I was like, that's another skill set. It's like, you know, can you make somebody getting out of the car interesting? Can you make um people having a meeting look interesting? Because you may be able to be, I could draw the coolest table, the coolest sink, and the coolest costume. But if it's boring to look at, that doesn't help anybody. Yeah. Okay. And, and there's a lot of ways to do that. A lot of it's uh, how you manipulate the camera. And I know a lot of people hear me like, yeah, but you're drawing. There's no camera. I'm like, yeah, it is. I'm the camera. Yeah. So I'm the one that's going to be drawing it in perspective. And where I want to see where I place that camera, like if I'm doing it from an anti-view looking up and it's slightly off center, which adds tension and drama to the panel. That's how you make a static scene is what we're calling stuff that's boring. It's like, hey, I'm picking up a phone or, you know, I'm starting my car or I'm sitting in my car or I'm eating lunch. That's how you make those panels interesting is where you place the camera. Yeah. And you can have it straight, you know, anti-view looking up, and then you can tilt the camera a little bit. That adds a little tension to it. You know, so there's a lot of tricks in there. That's why I always recommend the five C's of cinematography. Uh, I swear to God, I'm not getting a kickback from that book or anything. It's just <laughs> a very valuable tool for I artists and writers because um, it it gives you all those theories and concepts of how to make a shot interesting. And I'm sure you've read it, Matt, um, no. being in the film. You never read it? Pick it up. It's amazing. I can't, <laughs> can't stress I, that enough. Maybe. Um, I don't know. I don't know. It's not a very big book, so it's probably like yay thick, but it's also kind of like this big. Book. But Nick, you know yeah. I like big books, and I cannot lie. Ah, you, other brothers other can't, deny. can't deny. So... <laughs> You've mentioned, you know, when the art big style. communist buses in your face. You get <laughs> sorry, sorry. You get sprung. <laughs> so the love guru speaks again. Um, so do you guys ever do any that are black and white line drawing comics or is it all colored? Good all right. Sorry about that. Uh, that technical snafu. Um, Matthew is actually on the run from the from the um, police right now. Apparently, they get really mad when you put a donut on a string and you like chase after them. I don't know what that's about. Nick would have just eaten the donut because he's chill like that. But yeah. uh, these cops, they they just didn't have a sense of humor. So you know, what Some are you gonna don't. do? I have Some a great sense of humor. It makes my job more enjoyable. Absolutely, <laughs> and with all the weird people you you to interact with. But apparently, Matthew found the one that didn't have the sense of humor. So you know he had to hide a little bit the wit sack thing. But he's back, so let's get back into his comics. So Matthew, this is a question for you and Nick. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Outstanding. So which is harder to work with uh, when you're working with um, the overall production in comics? Is it harder to work with the artist because you've got to tweak what they show, or the writer who writes the scripts for you? Uh, it's hard to work with people that don't like critiques and can't understand why you're giving them correction. You know, again, like, like, look, it can be the coolest script in the world, but if it doesn't fit within the confines of whatever universe it is, 
it doesn't it doesn't matter if it's the best script in the world. Look, if I if I make coolest Iron Man script and then send it to Nick and go like, dude, this is Quick Wires issue two, and he's like, bro, it's a speedster book. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter if it's a great Iron Man Why or armored guy on his feet all of a sudden. Yeah. Why is it Exo Man War? You know. Yeah. So I think that's what what a lot of people, you know, especially like writers, is like, hey, write what this universe is. And, you know, you can you can push the envelope or you can kind of do different things within the world, but you have to be able to write for the world. And I think that's where a lot of these writers sometimes, again, I was talking about before with a guy who like wanted to argue with me about, well, how is that interesting? Bro, that's your job to make that interesting. Yeah. You know, how how is it interesting about two guys in a martial arts fight who get trapped in a building? That doesn't sound interesting. Well, I hope I made it interesting. You guys will find out when the book comes out. You know, <laughs> yeah, but like, cause that's my job is to make it interesting. Yeah. So I think that's a part of the challenge. And then the only other challenge like with, with artists is sometimes is um, it's kind of funny. It's like sometimes language barriers, depending on where your artist is from. Okay. Can, can have an issue. Um, I told the story uh, on a different podcast, but I'll tell it here is like, I, there was a, a panel or it's like, you know, he's watching, his mother's coffin go into the, you know, get dropped into the hole in the ground at her funeral. And he's, I think he's from like Central America and he had no idea what that was. Like, that's not how they bury people there. Like whatever funeral uh, traditions we have here, they don't have there. So he had to look it up as to what I was talking about. Um, You know, or (laughs) I've done this a couple of times of like, I have this panel in my mind and I'm like, He's standing on the side. So here's here's what it's a character called Point Blank, and he has uh, he can stick to things, kind of like a Spider-Man-ish power. But he's an archer, so he's kind of like the perfect hitman. He can stand on the side of a building, snipe off something, run on the other side, and take off. And I wrote on this panel, he's standing on the side of a building, about to fire an arrow into the distance, and something about that didn't make sense to the artist. So I had to get tape and tape one of my son's action figures to a door frame and then set up boxes farther down and put other action f- and take the picture. And then he was like, Oh, that's what that, is. that I see now. So it's, it's funny. There's, there's literally a panel in point blanks, two page origin. That is this, you know, eight ball action figure. I think he was from, apex figure line or whatever duct tape to a wall (laughs) to kind of get this is what i was talking about yeah um and sometimes just because i'm making up the most random crap ever that's actually kind of cool because what you just described essentially is using what the military we call sand tables to uh to describe the action to your artist i still do that when i plan battles in the books i write so it's a good way to get a 3d representation of what you're trying to describe when sometimes words don't always help you. So I really like that. I know uh, maybe I'm just a little bit weird because I wrote my first uh, published work was writing in other people's universe. So I always understood when it's work for hire and you're writing in their world, like they get the final say. So I never started writing with the, you know, my words are too precious or my ideas are too special. And when you come at it from the academic side, you expect to be argued with, right? Yeah. So like, I, I don't understand some of these artists that are like, no, it's so precious. I'm like, mm. Okay, but if the readers or the you know the or the boss doesn't like it, doesn't matter. Fix it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But I've heard I, this is what it is. 
yeah, you got you got to be able to take critiques, um, and you can't have thin skin. You're in you're in the commercial art business. Oh, if you think that's hard, wait till you get the reviews and some of the things they say. I got a review on my very fir uh, first couple of issues of Phantom Hog from Volume One. I don't release them anymore. Um, and this dude shredded me. Like he, he's like, you know that friend in eighth grade that draws kind of okay. And he says he wants to make a comic and you tell him he probably shouldn't do that. And then he goes ahead and does it anyway. Yeah. That's Nick Garber's Phantom Hawk right now. And I'm like, damn. Um, <laughs> tell us I, how you I really share, feel. It's like, dude, like the guy like ripped my heart out, chopped my hands off, threw it all in a blender and then spit down my throat. And I was like, yeah, that's fair. I didn't, cause those earlier issues, I didn't know what I was doing. I was a pinup artist. I had, I had to learn to be a sequential artist. I had to learn a new skill to do that. Um, quite a lot of stuff. Just because I've read comics my whole life doesn't mean I know what the hell I'm doing. You got people out there that read com that have read comic books for the longest time, 20, 30 years, and they think they're writers. You know, it it's, doesn't work that way. You have to learn how to do that. Yeah. So, yeah. So when I got that review, someone sent it to me. It was like, this dude shredded you. And I went, I read it and I was like, yeah, I'm going to need a drink to read the rest of this shit. Um, so I had a bourbon and then I, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to post it on my own page. So I posted on my Facebook page and I got a lot of like um, compliments on that. Like, man, I take some balls, dude. Cause that dude shredded you. And I'm like, I know, but he was fair in many points. He could have worded it a little different, but that's not up to me. Yeah. You know, the message was I need to do better. So all I did instead of being butthurt, I'm like, Oh, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. He's, he's never made a comic book before. You know, a lot of, a lot of people do that. Yeah. You know, they get offended. And I was like, Nope, he had some valid points. I'm gonna I'm gonna work on this and then I'm gonna shove that next issue down his throat. <laughs> a lot of times people have trouble understanding that readers don't always, and this would apply to comics, I'm sure, don't always understand like they say this doesn't work and they they tell you it doesn't work. They don't always understand the why. So sometimes if right. they feel certain ways, well, what they're really trying to tell you is your pacing was off or your action wasn't believable. And you have to, as a creative type, be able to read between the lines of what they're communicating so you can use it to get better. And sometimes people are just jerks. And if you follow like on Amazon's Perfect, you see what else they review and you realize they've read some of the best stuff out there and everything is a one star to them. And then you're like, nah, okay, this guy doesn't count. Well, Sorry. And you also have some of those guys where it's like, I had, I've, I've learned this, especially doing some of the podcast stuff is like, like just because I don't like something doesn't mean it sucks. Right. You know, like I don't ever want to see there will be blood again. It doesn't mean it's a crappy movie. It doesn't mean it sucks. It's just not my kind of thing, you know, or something like tank girl. Like that's just not my thing. I feel like it's a bad movie, but it's not because there's people who love those, that movie. And I think sometimes you get caught up in like, you know, is, is black Cobra the coolest comic that everyone's ever written? No, you know uh, it's, I feel like it's a pretty good thing that I've done, but there's also people who are probably going to look at it and go like, Oh, blah, 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 blah. And sometimes you have to take those punches and realize like they may not even understand it's not for them or, um, or like something like, you know, I made fun of the, the sequel trilogy earlier. Like, are those bad movies? It's arguable, but like they're pretty, they're pretty well, movies. Like, like is the last Jedi really as bad as a lot of people say, or is oh, it yeah. just not what we wanted? No. Uh, if somebody comes to my house and says that the last Jedi, it was the greatest part of this, of the series. 
I'm going to firmly yet politely ask them to leave. Oh yeah, no, I I agree, but I think that's what happens sometimes. Is like, you know, we we watch a show or we watch something, or we read something. It's like, well, what I really wanted to happen was this. Does that mean that right. thing is bad, or it's just not what you wanted to happen? And I think that sometimes is something for me is like, you know, my 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 co-host on one of the, this podcast I do now, he always makes fun of me. He's like, you just like things, please. And I'm like, I can't. If they don't make any logical sense, it gets on my nerves. I'm sorry. You know, I can't. Sometimes I can get on the ride and sometimes I can't, you know. And I think that's where, you know, something like Honest Trailers, that YouTube show, that's hilarious yeah. because they show all the things. And sometimes as writers, we have to go, okay we have to make this all make sense. And it also has to be um, entertaining. And I think that's the where what I like is uh, how it should have ended. Yeah. How it should have ended. Too? Oh yeah. 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 Where they just like, so I think that's what happens sometimes is sometimes it is, we need to be better. And sometimes as a filmmaker, you just have to go or a, a comic writer, like, yeah, it's just not for them. And sometimes people have to do that in their reviews is like, you know, you know, look, I don't watch those Hallmark movies. They're not my thing. I don't know my if they suck. The I haven't watched them. them. Yeah. Huh? But someone enjoys yeah. them. My wife loves the hell out of them. They keep making them, so somebody's got to be giving them. <laughs> as bad yeah, as it like, is, Sharknado's gotten six versions of it, and people still watch it, so there's something for everybody. Yeah. So. Well, Fast and right, Furious, so they jumped a car into outer space, and they made another one after that. Makes me feel better about my own writing is all I'm going to say. Yeah. So with that being said, speaking about writing, let's, you know, we've gone all over the industry. We've nerded out over comics. Nick's happy. We've done our uh, due diligence to give him his, you know, seasonal comic book. Um, Although I think this is number three about comics. No, four, because we talked about your comics. Yeah. My street cred is established now. My pedigree is established. Yeah. And so, you know, we're, we're looking to do more of the comics. Unfortunately, most comics, it just seems it's all about the, the Kickstarter model. And if you don't catch it in time, uh you just it's not available to you which you know when booking is a thing sometimes that makes it really hard to get those people yeah and crowdfunding is because we're not all independently wealthy and to make a comic is pretty damn expensive so yeah um, yeah that's why we always do the kickstarter model or the crowdfunding model but yeah you're absolutely right it's hard to do booking because we do so many episodes in advance and we have them all slotted what day and what time they're going to release um this one we're It'll be released tomorrow. Nice. Right, JR? Yeah, this episode will go out tomorrow. I've got some editing to do, but it'll go out tomorrow. Maybe at the latest. I don't know. Um, It will be released here in the next 48 hours. Absolutely. All right, so let's go back. We're going to throw that art from the Kickstarter back on the screen. Oh, hold on. Give us more art, JR. There we go. Oh, got any more of that art stuff? Yeah, so yeah. we showed all the art we grabbed. We wanted to leave you a reason to go look at the Kickstarter page because there's more art there, and then to back it so you can read it. If we show you all the cool stuff in this, you've got no reason to buy it. So and, it, and it's fully funded, so you're going to get the book. I know that's, well, that's, that's, that's right. It did fully fund. So first, let's start about uh, what are the perks. Obviously, every Kickstarter has a base and then tiers that you can do. So so what can we expect from this Kickstarter? What are your like tiers? Are you asking me? Scroll yeah, so I can read them. No. 
we'll, we'll read along with you. Yeah, no, there's a, there's a, there's three digital tiers. Digital tiers are basically I'm buying this book and I know I'm going to get a PDF once I receive it. I believe it's like five, fifteen, and thirty five. And then as the price increases, you get more than just Black Cobra number one, or it goes into the Black Cobra Extended Edition, which has a couple more storylines in it. You also have like the actual physical copies, and that starts at fifteen dollars. So if you want to get the comic book in your hand, the base price is going to be $15. And then it goes up from there. And again, depending on the tier, you will get, um, <clears throat> pardon me, you'll get other issues that have come out about the character and maybe some of the other comics from, from Grok Comics. And then there's a couple interesting ones as they get higher up. There's one, I believe it's listed at $150, maybe $200, where if you have your own original character and you want them to be in one of the comics, you pay this money and we'll put one of your characters in there. And then there's one, I think it's at 300 and it's basically like, we will put you in as if you're a character of the comic in our, what's called the, the secret files, which is just a single page kind of roster, like Marvel universe, the old Marvel universe books where it's like name, origin, state, blah, powers, blah, blah. We will do that for you personally. And then we had this really random, crazy idea. And I, I almost want to say it's kind of a joke of like, hey, if you're willing to back a thousand dollar tier, we will put you in the comics and you will have a storyline and you'll be part of the lore. And three different people back that thing. Wow. And it was just one of those random like, what? I mean, I made it as kind of a pseudo joke and because Bill's like, I don't think anybody's going to do that. I'm like, it's not going to cost us any more money to put it out there. And yeah, it's because I think what happens a lot of times is you have a lot of these people who are just, look, if you're trying to get a tax write-off, you don't want to do a $15 or a $50 tier. You want to drop some big lump sum of money and go about your day or see what happens. Or maybe they just really want to be in a comic book. Um, so it was really interesting to see that happen especially on day one. Um, but that that's kind of how those different tiers work. And it gives you, there's, there's, we've blasted through a couple of stretch goals and now we're, we're now having to create stretch goals that are way beyond this, just so we have, and stretch goals means once we achieve that goal, everybody who's pledged gets additional stuff. So we're trying now to go like, well, what else could we add? Because <laughs> yeah. we tore that, through a, those others. It's a good problem to have, though. Yes, yes. Because the thing of it is, like, ultimately, like Nick was saying before, is that these funds here are used to, to complete this book. And now that we've gotten a pretty good funding level, it will go back into producing other comics. Um, you know, it, it's, it is an expensive hobby, but it's not so expensive that a sum like this can, can really kind of get a lot produced out of this. Okay. So that's, that is a good one. So when you say you get your own comics, um, are you saying that the person that backs it gets to write it or they just get to suggest the idea and then let you guys interpret it? Are uh, you talking about the $15 physical copy level or the $1,000 level? The 1000 and 500 level, which have um, the 500 means that, um, oh, that's the cover. So excuse me, the 150 yeah. join the team full page, which is a 300 level. And then the 1000 level where they become a, a superhero, basically. Are they writing it or are they just providing you what they would like and then you guys interpret it? So, so what will happen is um, we're basically going to say, okay, 
this character is you. It's going to look like their likeness. We're going to give it a name derivative of their name. And it will be a character. And we're going to give them the option, like, do you want to be a hero or a villain? And then they will be... They will be appear in secret files, which like I said, is like the Marvel Universe kind of thing. And then in that one of these three, when we do that single page, it'll say first appearance issue, blah, blah, blah. And then they will appear in that story. And they will probably appear in, like, it'll be a character that will be, like, one of the characters is going to be, like, related to one of the main characters in one of the other comics. So they will be around occasionally. They're not going to become, like, you know, front cover main character of their own series. They'll just be part of the team in some way that they will appear every so often. Okay. I hope. <laughs> no, that's that's cool. Um, and so obviously this is backed and they've got uh, 33 days to go. So it's it's new and backed pretty quickly thanks to the uh, three generous $1,000 uh, patrons. And it looks like you set your bar low enough um, that it made it easier to guarantee success. Well, uh, some of that too is and is so I didn't set these goals, but I, I will explain some of what my understanding is how this works is that the faster you get to 50%, the more likely it is you're going to end up on the main page, the front page of the of Kickstarter. So if you set your goal a little lower, it increases the likelihood that you will get featured. Once you're featured, now you're going to get whoever first just randomly goes to kickstarter.com, they're going to see your thing. Because that's the thing is it's all about eyes getting on this thing. If it's not on the first page. Somebody doesn't click it. Somebody doesn't see the random $1,000 or the random $500. So that's why, like, you know, and I said in that video is like, hey, it's okay if you can't pledge. It's okay if you can't contribute or you can't buy into it. Just share it. Just yeah, talk about it. Like it. It's it's free to do that. And it just helps spread the word because you don't know who's out there who maybe is into a Christian superhero or wants to see a story about somebody dealing with PTSD or, or likes the look of black Cobra and just wants to have the comic or whatever their, their kind of scope of what they're looking for is they're never going to find it if they never see it. So the more you share about it, the more it kind of helps the entire thing. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. So let's, uh, now that we've talked about the tears and the Kickstarter and we've showed some of the art and talked about the story, What's next for Black Cobra after this uh, book one launches? That's an interesting question. (laughs) So honestly, and I I don't know if I've talked about this with anybody else, is that when I wrote this issue, so there's there's this, like we said before, Marvel Comics Presents is your anthology. Um, Grok Comics has an anthology called Parables of the Remnant. It was my understanding when I first got the, the gig to to write this is it was a 12 page story that was going to appear in that book. And then as we watched the art get published, as the coloring came back, it was like, you know, maybe this needs to be its own book. So then we wrote the other two storylines and came up with some other stories. And that's how this came about. So this was that I'm aware of. This was never intended to be an issue one. It was intended to be stories in other books so now, I, somebody asked me that before, and I was just like, um, I don't even know this is going to be a number one. <laughs> so um, given the success of this campaign, 
I, I, I'm willing to put money on the fact that it'll be a number two and the number two will probably star one of those people who put down one of the high tier <laughs> um, contributions. So I, there's definitely a story to be told here. I would love to do more with this guy. He's, he's a fun character to do. Uh, I, in my opinion, you don't see a lot of people dealing with the PTSD. And I think that would be the next story would not so much only do the PTSD, but there are other stories I'd like to tell that kind of see him dealing with that as he's going through being a hero. Okay. Um, Nick, how, how rare is the, um, is the PTSD angle? I know you've talked about it with your comics. Is that oh. something that's not really addressed? I don't know. It, it's covered a it, lot. It hadn't know. been, it hadn't been. Um, but it is something that is slowly coming out in comic book stories is, um, you know, dealing with a lot of this trauma that these heroes go go through or have been through. Um, Phantom Hawk, that's his, we're going to start getting into that pretty heavily, um, is his PTSD from war and, and being essentially brought back from the dead and, and then having to cope with how his life has drastically changed since uh, the experiment and after his his injuries so yeah um we're seeing a lot more ptsd stories which is good um i think it brings awareness to to that particular ailment that you know a lot of people suffer from i know i suffer from it um you know there's a lot of people out there that that need those stories because it's all about representation um you know like i fell in love with daredevil because he was catholic and i was catholic and i thought i saw my i had never seen my faith you know represented in comics before so um it does draw on readers as um and we do our best to make sure it's not pandering like we're not trying yeah. to make a buck off ptsd we're trying to bring awareness to it and that and show that superheroes have it too yeah because you know? there, there's there's kind of a conceit pre the last five or ten years that everybody who dons a costume be them a villain or hero just has the mental fortitude to do what they're expected to do and it's like that nowadays you, you you've come into the realization that that's not always the case. And there's been some very interesting stories like the boys like takes it to the extreme of everyone's a prick. But like you, you have some of the other stories. One of my favorites is um, uh, it's called Irredeemable. And it takes the evil Superman trope to a level I've never seen since and before or after. And it's very interesting to watch what that is. Cause it's kind of like the, the, there's this little thing that happened as a kid and this little thing that happened here and little here and little here. And it's not almost, it's not like, um, it's not that he's just a bad guy who tried to hide it. It's like people who failed him are now turning him almost jaded. It's not PTSD. He's just become so jaded with how petty people are around him that he becomes a villain. And I think we all can, can experience that. Like, you know, how many, how many, you know, look, I hate going out into retail areas during Christmas because I've done it so often and I see how horrible people can be. And I think that's, that's something that can be um, kind of mined for a story, but yeah, irredeemable, if you haven't written, read it, it's it's amazing. I, I was a mall Santa in college, and my faith in people, my uh, <laughs> oh my lord, what's that um, shirt? Help. That it's shirt is. Please. I used to be a people person until people ruined it for me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, pretty so, much. Yeah, like, 
I'll have those conversations with, with Stabby all the time. She's like, we should go out today. And I'm like, I don't know. It's awfully peeply out there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we talked about the Kickstarter. Uh, it's still available uh, for 33 more days. Well, 32 when you air this, because it will be going out the day after we recorded it, um, which is why you're getting a bonus Saturday episode. So with that being said, uh, this story is obviously done. What is um, what is next for you? What are you writing now? Um, as we mentioned before, the, a quick wire book for Apogee. I'm not sure when we're going to get that out there, but that is I'm currently working on the second issue of that. Um, Black Cobra, this particular script, the first part of it was the fourth script, fourth or fifth script I wrote for Grok, but I'm probably about 15 scripts in. So there's a lot of stuff I'm trying to push. Um, I do have a, I've proposed a additional title based on some characters that I really want to do over there, but we just have to get there. And part of the success of this campaign will help with that because look, like Nick said, this isn't free. You know, we, we have to pay people to do these things and the more funds we have available to pay for those people to do the work, the more books we can do. You know, we raise $10,000, that'll get four or five issues under our belt and going forward. So there's some stuff, because look, I'm not the only writer. There's four or five different writers that are writing stuff for rock comics, excluding Bill, who also writes all of his own stuff. So there's a lot of stuff we need to kind of get through to get, some of the main storylines going so that we can add other stories and do stuff. So um, right now there is a, let's see, Black Cobra is out. I wrote number five of The Remnant, issue number five, which will be probably out um, maybe the beginning, first quarter of next year. So that'll be the next big one because that's the flagship title. And then after that, there's a couple different stories here and there that, that are by me. And then hopefully maybe summer next year, will be when um, my the title I've been proposing will actually uh, come out. Okay. And where on the social medias, and as usual, dear listener, dear viewer, linked in the show notes, but where can they find you on the wild, wild interwebs? Sure. You can hit me up on Twitter at Mr. J Ninja. It's the letter J. And then um, you can also hit me at the Grok Universe page. It's www.facebook.com slash groups slash Grok Comics. And that's G-R-O-K. I forgot to say that in the last one. And I'm like, if they put a CK, they're never finding it. <laughs> okay. All right. And um, you can find us. dear. Oh, you know what, Nick? I forgot to do the thing. First off, this is the part where I remind you, dear listener, to please be kind and speak your mind on the reviewing platforms. Your reviews help the right readers find the right books. So do your part, people. We've talked about reviews earlier. Uh, I do believe Kickstarter does let you leave reviews. So if you guys do future projects, you can see the reviews of the old ones. Is that correct? That is correct. And also remember that there is a Q&A on November 10th. So if you want to ask a question, you can put it on the Kickstarter page. You can put it in the Grok Universe um, Facebook group. There is a, a, a pinned post there, and we are running a contest during that Q&A. So if you ask a question ahead of time, you get entered into a contest. And if you show up for the live, there's a second contest that we will be doing at that time. Outstanding. And you can find us on our link tree at linktr.e link tree slash blasters and blades podcast where we link to all the things the bit shoot the rumbles the twitters the emails 
the Facebook group and the Facebook page. We link to Madam Stabby Stab on her email, her Instagram, and her Twitter, where you can send all of our hate mail. Have she got through <laughs> me yet, Nick? I'll have to check with her, but uh, as of yesterday, no. Like I said, Stabby makes people cry. That's kind of sad. She I'm sorry, Mister. She deserves to get the hate mail. She's worked hard for it. Uh, one day, one day, someone's going to send something. And it's going to be awesome. I send her stuff I that I tag her in, and she just, she just threatens to stab me. Yeah, yeah, I, I warned you about that. Well, a couple of times I, I shared stuff that people dared me to share, and it, I, I, I got a phone call and a, do you know who you're talking to? Message. <laughs> um, so, oh, so stabby wow. can be, you know, she has her moments, but. All right. And uh, speaking of, you can also find us on our website at anchor.fm slash blasters tech and tech blades. Again, anchor.fm slash blasters dash and dash blades, where for as little as 99 cents a month, you can help keep the lights on. These podcasts aren't free to produce. Some of the back end software requires yearly subscriptions and your donations help cover that. Uh, Nick and I take nothing out of this podcast. We put all of it back into renewing the subscriptions for the editing software and the streaming software and all the things. Uh, and most years we pay out of pocket for the shortage so it really does help people right. altruistic like that or you could support us more directly over at buymeacoffee.com slash author jr hanley again buymeacoffee.com slash author jr hanley be sure to put in the comment sections for the podcast and i will uh, make sure it goes to that and uh if you also want to support the show we haven't said this but go to nick's apogee website which is linked in the show notes uh or linked on all the places and you could buy his comics you can go to my uh, Amazon page and buy my books. Although my books are now going wide, so you can look for J.R. Handley wherever fine books are sold, and we are there. Uh, it really does help. Um, that's why we do this. So if you don't want to throw it for the podcast specifically, but just want to buy good content, that helps too. And finally, we have an affiliate sponsorship with um, Coffee Brand Coffee. Coffee brand. Uh, so if you use the link, you get 5% discount. If you use the link in the code, you get 10% off your price. You get good coffee made in America, supporting other entrepreneurs so it's a win-win and we get a little bit of a kickback we haven't sold any yet so we're not sure oh, maybe we should start using our own discount code so we get kickbacks on our addiction that might be the oh, sweet yeah. spot you need to we do a video of a Keurig making the coffee like I did for the black cobra thing. <laughs> you know stabby is working on a commercial because uh we the coffee brand coffee is owned by uh Jeremy over at the quarterling podcast it talks about social stuff um and he, he takes nuanced takes on topics I've never heard of. So mostly if you want to get all the, the stuff not fit for, I don't know, the Daily Inquirer, go watch his funny content. Uh, but so he's doing a contest. And if he likes your your commercial for his product, um, he'll air it on his channel and you get a thousand views over there or a million, excuse me. Uh, so we're going to try to do one that also pimps our podcast at the same time. And since nice. Nick's house could also double as prop room for Star Wars, Star Trek, and all the nerdy <laughs> things, I mean, they've pretty much set to make their own little their own little commercial. Oh, so yeah. that is going to be next time Nick takes a leave block. He's going to – him and Stabby are going to see what they can put together. Indie films, baby. Indie films. Indie films. Woot, woot. So uh, maybe they could hook up with you and, you know, all the things. All, you just have to fly out to California. I mean – you know, stranger things have happened. And I'll, take a, being said, I'll take a free flight to Cali. <laughs> well, nobody said anything about free. Nick's not that rich. Aww. He works yeah, for Border Patrol. They don't I, pay him I'm much. I'm not even rich. I, I live paycheck to paycheck, man. 
<laughs> All right. With that being said, thank you for spending some of your precious time with us. For my crazy co-host, I am J.R. Hanley, and this was the Blasters and Blades podcast. Normally, I'd tell you we'll be back next week at the same time, but this is a bonus episode. So instead, uh, just come out whenever we go on next, and we'll indulge our love of nerd culture, cheesy jokes, and all things that go boom. Thank you for stopping by, Matthew. It was a blast. Thanks so much for having me, guys. I appreciate it. And we're out. Get back to work.